0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. Uh, we've been really just talking about where are we at with Jesus. Um, you know, here at Brew Church, we're a place where people come from a variety of backgrounds. Um, you might consider yourself a Christian. You might consider yourself not a Christian, but you like Jesus and you don't really know what to do with that. Uh, you might read the Bible. You might not not read the Bible, Um, you might have no faith background at all, and you're just like, I like this place because there's cool people here, so (laughs) you might be in a variety of places, and so we've just been talking about this because here at Brew Church, a lot of what we talk about is centered around this person and the things that this person did, and so that's why we're talking about it. So we're wrapping it up by examining the phrase, what does it mean to follow Jesus, because we hear that language in church. If you've been around church, you know that's something that people say a lot. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just following Jesus. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just following Jesus as my thing. Um, and maybe for some of you, you still use that language because this Jesus thing is compelling to you. Maybe for some of you, like, you feel some things. Like, did anybody feel pressured to follow Jesus, did you, like, go to one of those altar call things where you felt your emotions were really high? Maybe it was, like, one of those youth church camp things, and you're like, I'm going forward because my emotions are there. Uh, I'm not disparaging that. For some people it's important, but for others you might have, uh, you know, that might have not been your best experience in life. Um, And maybe for some of us, we haven't really said that language before. Maybe this whole Jesus thing is new to us. And so as we talk about it tonight, um, I want to begin with this way of examining it. I think that the language of following Jesus is a way to speak to a deeper reality at the core of what it means to be human. So we're gonna start with that premise and we're gonna begin by talking about the concept of apprenticeship. Is anybody in a career field? where you have apprentices? Yeah, anybody? Okay, so you kind of know, you're sort of familiar with this. Uh, for most of human history, that was how people like, did their jobs. They, they, they learned how to do their job by being apprentices. You didn't go to a college and sit in a classroom with 200 people and read textbooks about how to do your job. You like just actually went and did your job, <laughs> and then you learned from the people that were doing your job. You'd follow around a teacher You'd watch them. You repeat what they taught you, and then you learn their philosophy, their why behind some of the things that they do, because a lot of different people have a philosophy. You do this first instead of this, but another person might say you do this first instead of this. So you learn their philosophy, you'd eventually make it your own, and then you'd pass the wisdom on to the next person. So it's like this beautiful process of we've learned all these things, and as humanity, more generations and generations, you kind of grow and expand the wisdom that was centered around the thing that you did. The closest thing that I can come to, that I've come to experiencing this sort of apprenticeship model is student teaching. Um... You student teach the last semester of your undergraduate career if you are in sort of the normal education track, and you go from being this brand new teacher, you're usually in your early 20s if you kind of follow the normal trend, and at some point you're tasked with taking over an entire classroom full of teenagers if you're in high school. (laughs) That was scary. because I had no idea what the heck I was doing. But luckily the process gives you baby steps. You start by observing the other teacher, then you start by like teaching lessons with them side by side, so they're standing up front while you're standing up front. Then eventually they go to the back and you start teaching the lessons. And then eventually you take over the entire day. And then eventually you take over a whole week. And then by the end of that semester, I was doing all the lesson plans, teaching all the classes while my supervising teacher was just in the back watching me teach and getting paid for it. <laughs> so it was wonderful for him. <laughs> I, I loved it too, but this process of apprenticeship, learning from a teacher, from their way of doing things, from their school of thought, then repeating it is what people thought about when they heard the words, follow me in the Bible. It wasn't necessarily about accepting certain things as true. It might have been that, but it wasn't just that. And that's what we might assume today based on, you know, the thousands of years of things that have been attached to the whole following Jesus thing, that it's about believing certain things as true, and that's where it ends. It doesn't have anything to do with our lived experience. But the whole rabbi thing, the whole apprenticeship thing, having disciples— was about a way of life. Jesus was a rabbi. And in the Jewish religion, individual rabbis would have their own way of interpreting the texts, practices that they believed were important, and then they would pass this on to their students, their disciples. So they would select people, which was a big deal if you were selected by a rabbi, to follow them around and see their way of doing life. So whenever Jesus says, follow me in stories in the Bible, what he was saying was, be my student. I'm teaching you a new way of doing life. And so in Matthew 9, for example, there's a story of Jesus seeing this tax collector named Matthew sitting at a booth for collecting taxes. And he says to him, follow me. And then it gives us no context on the conversation Apparently, that was it. There was no chit-chat. There was no, like, hey, you know, what's, what's your family like? Do you have siblings? Like, it was just like, follow me, and then Matthew just follows him, so I'm assuming there's some other backstory there, but this was a pivotal moment in Matthew's life. At the most surface level, it was a career change for Matthew. He went from being a tax collector to being the student of a rabbi. Tax collectors were employees of the Roman Empire, when you became a part of the Roman Empire, if you were here last week, Josh talked a little bit about this, it usually wasn't by choice, it was usually by force. Um, you became part of the Roman Empire or you were killed, so there were two options <laughs> there. But when you became part of the Roman Empire, you were subject to several Roman taxes, uh, so you libertarians in the room, you're going to, you know, uh, <laughs> you're just going to like hate the taxes as much as uh, you hate the taxes today. But <laughs> here are some of them. Uh, farmers would be forced to pay 10% of their grain and 20% of their fruit to the Romans. There was a 1% income tax. There was a poll tax, which this one just said it was a tax for being alive, like, I don't know what that means. You just tax a person because, hey, you're you're breathing air, so <laughs> we have to tax you. Uh, there was a travel tax to travel on Roman roads, and then there was an animal tax to take your animal on those roads. I'm wondering how many people, like, hid their animals and, like, containers or in like, you know, whatever, wagons to make sure that they didn't get taxed for the uh, animal tax. I don't know, maybe that's a thing. Um, And then in every town, you would have tax collectors in charge of making sure that the taxes were paid to the empire. And these tax collectors would make their living by charging extra on top of the taxes and then taking all the excess. So the way I translated that in my mind was they got to choose their own salary sounds pretty nice. That'd be kind of cool to just say like, oh, this is how much I want to make this year. I want to make sure I I get a yacht and I got that beach house payment now. So I like have to charge a little bit extra on top, but they basically created their own salary. So they were some of the wealthiest people in town. And because of that, they were also hated. They weren't allowed to participate in religious life. They were shunned and especially in the regions that were predominantly populated by Jews, They weren't able to participate in their religious life. So when Jesus says to Matthew, follow me, Matthew was at this crossroads. On one side, this life of significant wealth, and on the other side, selling all his possessions and traveling around with the homeless rabbi. Which one are you picking? (laughs) Just abundant amount of wealth. As much as you want, you can create your own salary or following around a homeless rabbi. This wasn't just a change in careers for Matthew. This was a change in priorities. The thing that Jesus was doing was the opposite of the empire. The empire wanted to subjugate and exploit people for the benefit of a few. The empire objectified people, and Jesus called out the exploitation, and he taught a new way of life centered on love, loving God, loving neighbor, and loving self over profit. Jesus cared about what was going on on the inside, the well-being of each person, and not what they could produce. No one was an object to be used for another's gain. Jesus saw the ones who were invisible. Jesus ate with those and spent time with those that were ignored and were hurting. And Jesus invited people toward wholeness and flourishing to experience freedom and healing from those wounds that life sometimes deals us This way of life was an invitation to more inclusion, more equality, greater connection among people, the sorts of things that we cannot measure. And it's a tension that we continue to experience today. Do we participate in this system that judges our worth based on what we can produce, or do we measure our life and how well it's going based on how much we've grown or the quality of our relationships. That's the thing that Jesus was doing. There's nothing wrong with accomplishment, but when we stop participating in a system that constantly measures our worth by how much we produce, we end up finding our most authentic self that no longer needs to perform for anybody else. Here at Brew Church, we're trying to create a place where we don't have to perform. We don't need to perform here. This invitation to follow Jesus isn't a one-size-fits-all. That's not what I'm arguing about. It's not some external outcome that you can measure that can be enforced that can be rewarded it doesn't come with demands to be a certain way it's the interior journey that every single one of us goes on it's this constant invitation that life is giving us toward growth and greater love it's the journey of the heart one of my favorite uh teachers Author Richard Rohr talks about it this way. He says, yeah, he says uh, there's a universal and deeper reality at the heart of all things. In Christianity, we have named this transcendent reality Christ. This Christ passionately and relentlessly loves us in a highly personalized way and is wooing us towards wholeness in a vocabulary unique to each soul. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) It's wooing us towards wholeness in a vocabulary unique to each soul. Think about who you were last year or who you were five years ago or a decade ago. Can you pinpoint those moments in your life that changed you? Where you made intentional choices? Where you chose meaningful things where you followed the heart maybe those times you decided to take a risk you decided to do something new those times i would name are your follow me moments those are the times when we said okay okay life i'm going to take that risk i'm going to do that new thing and i'm going to see what comes of it sometimes the outcome isn't what we wish we would have. It would have been on the outside. But many times what happens inside of us is the more important thing. For me, that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about believing certain things. It's not about becoming a Christian in sort of a narrow sense of the word where, you know, your behavior looks like You read your Bible all the time, you pray, you go to church, you serve, you give to the church. Those things aren't necessarily wrong because for some people, they have been really helpful. But I don't think that it's that narrow. I think that the invitation to follow Jesus is about you becoming the most you, you. (laughs) It's a lot of yous. (laughs) It's about us becoming us, truly us, the one that no longer has to perform, the one that no longer has to put this mask on and say, this is who I am, because this is what all these stories that I'm trying to fit this puzzle piece into tell me I have to fit into. It's about saying, nope, this is me. This is me, and I'm on a journey, and that's okay. It's a movement towards wholeness. It's a change that happens within that completely reconfigures our life. It creates a greater sense of joy, a greater sense of playfulness, a greater sense of compassion and empathy for the suffering of others. It's a more robust way of living. I'm totally stealing this from my wife, but this is an analogy that we've talked a lot about, that it's like the difference, and again, don't get offended if you're this kind of person, It's the difference between getting a coffee at Caribou Coffee that is full of milk and sugar and all these syrups that's masking how horrible the beans are. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. It's all there because they don't know how to roast beans and they just burn them versus getting a coffee like somewhere here, you know, shout out to Post, where they actually know how to roast beans to get the most flavor out of the beans, and it stands on its own. You don't even need sugar or creamer. That's the difference. You can choose the caribou way of life. (laughs) Or you can choose the post-coffee way of life. (laughs) That should be their slogan. (laughs) But I also believe that this change that happens within us has the potential to change the world. That if more people were to pursue that invitation, that invitation of the heart, we would all experience a more beautiful and loving world, and we would slowly but surely chip away at the society that continues to objectify, exploit, only measures worth based on what you can produce, and is honestly ruining the earth. It's ruining the earth. For Matthew, leaving behind his career wasn't just a personal thing. It had society, societal implications. He left behind this career that exploited people. And then he introduced Jesus to his friends, which were tax collectors, because who else would he be friends with, right? Right? <laughs> like, nobody else wanted to be friends with the guy besides fellow tax collectors. So this is the story afterwards. He goes and hangs out with these tax collectors, and this is, this is the one that people point to when they say, oh, yeah, Jesus ate with sinners. This is that story. Jesus went and hung out with these tax collectors. And so imagine them sitting at the table with this poor Jewish man who was a victim of their own exploitation. And imagine... If just a couple of them decided to change their ways, it would completely fracture the institution of tax collecting. There's a reason Jesus was executed by the state, and that's because he was disrupting the system that exploited people. Usually people like that, MLK, for example, aren't very popular. And to bring it to today, um, just this is my own opinions, disclaimer here. I find it interesting, interesting, that people who argue against changing gun laws in response to tragedy say things like, what needs to change is people's hearts. And I actually agree with them. It's just the people's hearts that I think need to change are theirs because if they had one ounce of compassion for the families who lost loved ones and children in the 129 mass shootings in 2023, things might change. We've seen other places do it, so why can't we? Changed hearts matter. This divine invitation To follow the path toward wholeness and love doesn't just change us. It begins to change the fabric of society. It's us participating in something bigger than ourselves, this divine movement towards good and joy and equality and flourishing for all. So when your heart calls you towards those deeper things, will you choose caribou? or will you choose post? Now I know it's not that black and white. I'm making it very dualistic. And (laughs) there you go, you can just go that route. Um, I guess another version is Miller Lite versus uh, Boulevard Wheat. Uh, Boulevard Wheat actually has kind of turned commercial, so we can, you know, they sold out. (laughs) But those moments in our lives, Where we've chosen the deeper things, if you reflect on them, it probably changed you in a really deep and meaningful way. And so as you go and live your life, may we keep choosing those deeper things. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone.